Welcome back to Radio Physics, a collaboration with the Aspen Center for Physics, KD&K Community Radio in Carbondale, and physics students from the Roaring Fork Valley High Schools. The interns spend several weeks working at the center during the summer and get to talk one-on-one -on -one to some of the distinguished physicists who are here. I'm Emily Taylor and I'm hosting today's program, which is being recorded at the Aspen Center for Physics. Story Tram is a rising senior at Glenwood Springs High School and Ian Olmsted, rising junior at Grand Valley High School, located in Parachute, Colorado. They will interview Kim Berghaus, a postdoctoral researcher at Stony Brook University. She received her PhD at Johns Hopkins University. Her specialty is minimal thermal friction in cosmology. Let's get started. Well, thank you for coming, first off. We really appreciate it. Um, so let's start off kind of like the reason you were so interested in physics. Yeah, sorry, thanks for having me here. Um, so ever since I can remember, even when I was a little kid, I wanted to know um, what are things made out of? Fundamentally, let's look at this table. I would ask myself, what's in this table? And as a kid, you ask adults questions all the time. They, they get annoyed. Sometimes they give you answers. They say, oh, it's, it's made out of wood. And then you ask, well, what is wood made out of? And, and you, you keep going down um, this train. Oh, maybe it's made out of atoms. And then you ask, what are atoms made out of? And then maybe if you, if you uh, meet somebody that's uh, into science, they will tell you, oh, atoms are made out of quarks. And then you ask, well, what are those made out of? And what are they? And uh, so I, I always wondered about these things, but I didn't realize that it was physics that I was interested in until I first had it as a subject in school in sixth grade. And that's when I realized the, the subject that answers all these questions that I have about uh, what are things made out of and why are things the way they are is, is physics. I found that that most closely matched um, the curiosity that I had just about the world that we live in. So obviously like there's a lot of layers to fix it physics and um, especially in particle physics and you know there's a lot we know about our own organic matter but I also feel like there's a lot of questions that we still need to ask so what are like you say like your top three questions you still have about particle physics that you would like to solve in your future career um, that's a great question sorry <laughs> um, so personally uh, something that I think is achievable in my lifetime and that I'm uh, very interested in is what is dark matter? Uh, this is, to me, this is really the big elephant in the room. If we, if we ask ourselves, um, we have uh, lots of experiments that can measure how much matter we think exists in our world, mm -hmm. in our universe. And only about 15% of that matter, we know what it is. For the rest of these 85%, we, we have no clue. No, And it's, it's, it's not even that we're close, that we're thinking, oh, it, 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 the landscape of what it could be is it vast. It's very vast. It could be uh, macroscopic objects, uh, something like black holes. It could be tiny particles. It could be fields that fill up space. So it, it really is this huge open question um, that, that I think is so important for us to understand, to, to know what is our, made, our world made out of. So I think that is one really big question that I, I think we can make a lot of progress on and maybe uh, maybe solve uh, in uh, in my career um, another question that uh, goes in a similar direction uh, another really big mystery is what is dark energy so um, we talked a little bit about uh, dark matter uh, dark energy makes up even more of our universe than dark matter so if we ask what is all the stuff in our universe 
about 70% of all the stuff is dark energy. And only 30% is all that matter that we d talked about just now. And uh, what we call dark energy is we, uh, we can measure how far stars are away from us. And um, what we do measure is that they're moving away from us and they're not only moving away at a constant velocity, they're moving away and are accelerating in the speed that they're moving mm -hmm. away. And um, we call dark energy being responsible for, for that acceleration, for that negative pressure that drives space-time itself apart. Right. And, and that is what we call dark energy. And that is another extremely important question that, that I think in, in, in fundamental physics is, is, is another big elephant in the room. I think this question is more challenging to, to answer than, than dark matter. Uh, it's more difficult to, to investigate. So I'm not sure if we will find the answer to this uh, in my lifetime. Can I ask why it's more difficult to figure out what dark energy is made of in comparison to dark matter? Uh, yes, that's, uh, that's a great question. So, um, for, uh, so I'm, I'm a particle physicist and a cosmologist. And in, in particle physics, what, um, what we study is interactions between different particles. Mm -hmm. So our world is made out of particles. Everything you know is made out of particles. And they talk to one another one uh, through forces. So examples that you're probably most familiar with are electromagnetism. Things are charged electrically. They can be charged magne magnetically. Right. And that gives interactions between things. The big mystery about dark matter seems to be that so far, it doesn't seem to be talking to anything <laughs> that we understand well. So if we ask, are there forces between um, the stuff that we understand and the dark matter? So far, we have not detected one, except for gravity. So the only interaction that lets us know that there is this dark matter is, is gravity. But beyond gravity, which is a very weak force, we have not been able to find direct evidence. But there is a very vibrant uh, and right now growing program going on in particle physics where people are building many, many experiments looking for those interactions. And uh, so a very simple example um, is, let's say, that uh, dark matter talks to atoms, uh, to, to quarks that ev everything is made out of. Then what we can look for is we can build a giant tank and we can... Uh, we know that dark matter is around. We know it's moving through us. So we can look for dark matter coming in and hitting something we can see. And then we can measure that. Um, and, and that would be direct evidence. So we have many, many experiments like that that are, that are looking. And so far, it seems like dark matter is very weakly interacting with, if at all, non-gravitationally. But if we find that very weak evidence, then we can start probing it very exactly and find out exactly what it is, what its properties are, like what the strength of the interaction is. So, uh, so there's hope uh, and very reasonable expectation for us to think that, um, that there should be interactions between dark matter and our matter that we can measure. The more difficult thing with dark energy is that um, it's, we don't necessarily have the expectation that it talks to us beyond gravitational interactions and makes it very difficult to, to probe directly and mm. to investigate what exactly it is. See. Fair enough. Um, so you said the dark energy had more to do with space and everything. So if that would be like, would you say that's a bridge between astrophysics and um, particle physics? Uh, yeah, Ian, uh, very nice question. So, um, so, so really, Astrophysics, uh, ast astrophysics and particle physics, the questions, what is 
dark uh, energy and dark matter, they're very interdisciplinary questions. Yeah. Um, because they're such difficult questions. Because of that, we need all the different type of probes we can possibly uh, come up with. So I told you guys about uh, experiments looking for, for direct evidence that is kind of the, the particle physics approach. You build an experiment, you try to measure it directly. Then in astrophysics, there are uh, many telescopes that uh, are very precisely measuring the property of space. Mm -hmm. For example, they're measuring the expansion rate, which tells us how much dark uh, energy there is. Um, and there are, there are also, um, in astrophysics, there are also many probes that tell us about how much dark matter there is. So all of those uh, things, particle physics, astrophysics, and cosmology. So cosmology is the study of what happened early in the universe, and astrophysics is looking at what's there today and what are the probes today. All of those things are very closely intertwined. And to answer those questions, we need uh, the, the tools from all of these areas yeah. to, to bring them together, to really um, um, nail down the properties. Yeah, like a combination. Yeah, exactly. For sure. So obviously we're seeing now that dark matter has an effect on a multitude of areas in physics, right? Um, so I guess like one of my like really big questions for you is why is knowing about dark matter so important for us? Like why, why is it so relevant in all of these fields, especially your own? Um, yeah, so, so I would say part, part of what makes us human um, is that, that we pursue knowledge for the sake of knowing. Um, we live in this world and, there, and, and we want to know what are the rules that govern the world that we live in? What is it made out of? I think this, this simple curiosity is, is very much um, something that um, we, we don't, we're, we're curious about the world. We, ne we need to, uh, s similar to how we pursue art, we pursue fundamental questions and very often out of um, investigating fundamental question, questions, progress and technology is, is made as well. But, but I would argue that even, let's say we answer this question, we find out what dark matter is and we find that we can't build a cooler uh, iPhone with it, uh, <laughs> right? Then um, the fact that we know this and our future children in elementary school, you know, we can now tell them what is dark matter made out of, right? I, I think that is that is worth so much because when there are other children asking, well, what is this stuff? Yeah. You know, yeah. now, now we yeah. can tell them, and us as a generation, we're we're producing this this knowledge. Yeah, yeah I, I I 100% get what you mean with the whole like bringing the whole generation forward. Because as you said, when you were a kid, you asked a lot of questions, and eventually adults would just get annoyed and you know just give you an answer. You know, so now if we do answer those questions, like. I, I get what you mean with the whole like being able to teach them and being able to answer those questions, not just, you know, get annoyed of <laughs> all of them. Yeah. No, and I think it's, I think that curiosity is, is definitely important. Um, considering, I mean, I, I feel that we don't know as much as I think we portray we do about the, the universe and where we come from and, everything that's around us because I mean there's so many different elements I mean we don't even know if there's any other you know existing life mm. beyond us um, and do you think that you know studying this dark matter and those relative ideas do you think that could have any possible way of telling us that those things exist um, so a lot of the uh, big big experiments and big projects that are going on in science now um, 
are, are multi-purpose. Uh, mm -hmm. So if, if we build a, a big inst instrument, we can measure things like uh, properties of dark matter very precisely, but we can also look for things like exoplanets. Mm -hmm. And uh, that then tells us, okay, what other planets are out there? What are the properties? Do we find planets similar to ours? Mm -hmm. And those questions are certainly connected with um, what type of life can, can be um, on, on other planets. So I think um, a, a lot of the big... Uh, big questions because these experiments cost a lot of money so so they um they're multi-purpose and they and investing in them d drives us forward along several different axes mm. yeah. so um what would you say is our like best bet at understanding this like what's our most efficient experiment would you say i know it's hard to choose because there's a lot but like if you had to choose one to bet your money on what would it be Okay, that's ah, that's that's a really uh, really tough question. Um, so l let me answer by giving a little bit of uh, context. So for uh, for for a long time, for a last for about the last uh, twenty years, a big um, theoretical bias of what dark uh, we had a very specific theoretical bias for what dark matter was. We thought it was a particle of a certain, uh, with certain properties, with a certain mass that uh, we thought interacted with um, us through something called the weak force. Mm -hmm. uh, that is a force that we also have in the visible uh, sector that we understand well. And we, we, l we put a lot of effort into looking, um, looking for that type of dark matter and we didn't find it um, yet. <laughs> We're still looking. Um, what right uh, now the field is shifting to a lot of resources towards is looking for a slightly different type of dark matter, and that is called um, axion uh, dark matter. And an axion is quite different from what we looked at before. What we looked at before was really a particle. It comes in, it hits something, mm -hmm. and we're looking for um, detecting that that hip hit happened. Um, an axion has very different properties. It's much lighter. And when something is... Um, much lighter, um, it, you can think of it instead of it being localized as a particle, it becomes more like a, a wave, like a classical right. wave that fills up space. And, and that is, right now there's, there's a huge effort going on in, um, in particle physics to, um, to basically look for that type of dark matter. And it's, uh, there is a wide range where we can have this wave-like dark matter. Um, but I think within the next 20 years, we will probably explore the, the majority of it. Mm -hmm. And if I had to put my money on, on something, which uh, I, I wouldn't want to do, yeah. <laughs> but uh, if I had to, I, I, would, I would put it on uh, that effort. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so obviously our, our ideas about this have, have shifted mm. over time. Um, and it, it then it could be likely that we, we shift this again, right? But do you think that those experiments that we're doing now, even the one that we did before the Axion, that we couldn't really find anything, do you think there's the possibility that there's different um, types of dark matter that have different masses? Um, oh, okay, so you're asking a, a, a very good question. So the when when we build these experiments mm -hmm. uh one very simple assumption that allows us to kind of um, determine what to look for is we say oh what if this is all of dark matter we know mm -hmm. roughly how much dark matter that is let's say it's all this but what you're asking is oh could we have um 
dark matter that's like a particle and then some that's like a wave yeah. and then uh, some maybe that's a, in a black hole mm -hmm. and uh, of course that is uh, that is a possibility and we uh, in our experiments we also look for subfractions of dark matter and uh, try try to see would we be sensitive to subfractions mm -hmm. uh, it would make it of course uh, more difficult because right. in a way that would allow it for to kind of hide yeah. <laughs> in in all the places that we're looking at um in in theoretical physics there's there's this principle that you always um want to try to explain things as simply as possible um just because your your bias in a way would be why would be it be more complicated yeah. if mm -hmm. it could is simpler right um but in in recent years especially because we so far haven't found dark matter people have looked at at more complex um behavior for dark matter they, they look for dark sectors mm -hmm. so what if we, we had a multitude of different things that maybe talk even with uh with itself what if dark uh, matter had forces that talk with other dark matter, but not with us. Huh. So uh, people are also right now looking for that, and that connects again to what Ian was asking about astrophysics. There are a lot of probes going on in astrophysics because dark matter is everywhere. Oh, yeah. So there's a, a very uh, interesting program going on where people are asking, yeah, what if dark matter interacts with other dark matter? What can we learn from that? What if it doesn't talk to us at all? So yeah, it's certainly a possibility, and uh, we don't know the answer yet. So we're we're the field is exploring in a lot of different directions and it de really depends on who you ask right. on what they <laughs> tell you is you know their their preferred um um d dark matter candidate so right. to say mm -hmm. yeah um so do you think if those other like if the, all those types did exist if those sub fractions were the reality of dark matter you saying how like some of them might only interact with other forms of dark matter, does that say anything about the dimension of our universe and kind of how we're proportioned in it? Do you think that makes like our organic matter more rare in that sense then, if dark matter is to be so that it only interacts with itself? Yeah, so this is this is an uh, again excellent question, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> so um, the the thing about dark matter, the thing about any theory, really, that you um, that you want to consider, that you think is a good theory of nature, mm -hmm. is you you want it to be self consistent. You don't want it to only explain your one experiment. You want it to explain a multitude of experiments, right? right? Because the laws of physics should um, hold up uh, in in several places. Okay. So one very important uh, question when we ask about what is this dark matter that we're looking for today in the lab would be based on what it does, based on how it interacts with us, how would it come about in the early universe? How would we have made it? Mm -hmm. And the fact that basically we have 15% of ordinary ma matter and 85% uh, of dark matter, those numbers are still pretty close together, right? Mm -hmm. This could, it could have been orders of magnitude different. There was, yeah. uh, right? But they're pretty close together. And the fact that they're pretty close together um, makes, uh, many uh, of us believe that there um, was uh, some interaction between the dark matter and our ordinary matter in the universe and that that interaction tells you how um, how it came about in the beginning how and that it came about in a similar way as our matter became about and and that that's that's exactly why um, why we think it's very um, plausible that in these experiments that we're now um, very actively pursuing that we'll find something 
so do you think like so knowing about this dark matter tracing it back to how we first came about and the big bang i assume and um all this do you think that if we learn those properties we can better define like our universe because i know that we've kind of determined that you know it's we probably have a flat universe it's continuous and ongoing but do you think that if we discovered that particle that it could possibly even challenge an idea that we've had for for years such as that um so so for for sure if we find out what dark matter is we will learn uh so much more about the early universe and um it is it is difficult for us to know exactly what happened in the early universe but we do have some data that we measure that from which we can infer what we think happened according to um to our models and our theories so there are two big probes that tell us a lot about the early universe one is the cosmic microwave background mm -hmm. that formed when the universe was about a uh, hundred thousand years old and that is um basically backlight from the very uh, early universe. So we had um, all, all of our visible matter, um, also the dark matter sloshing around in the early universe, and um, eventually electrons um, combined uh, with uh, protons into, into hydrogen, and they stopped interacting so rapidly with the photons, and after that the photons don't interact anymore and they uh, they just travel through the universe. And those are the photons that we measure. And because they're largely undisturbed, they carry a lot of information of what happened at, at that early time. Then the other big probe that we have in the very early universe, even earlier than the cosmic microwave background, when the universe was uh, less than a second old, is for, um, what we call Big Bang nucleosynthesis. And uh, that is when, um, when um, basically, um, we we started um, having so we have uh, in the uh, very early universe we have quarks and we have gluons and that's what we call the quark gluon plasma and eventually the quark uh, quark gluon plasma forms protons and uh, so and not only protons but also other light uh, elements like lithium and and helium and we measure those abundances today and that tells us a lot about the processes very early on how these things formed so these are the two uh, big probes that we have from the early universe um, and before that it's very difficult for us to really know what happened but there are um, uh, many theories of, of uh, what happened uh, partly to answer questions such as why do we have so much more matter than antimatter mm -hmm. and uh, very smart people th think about this a lot and they try to come up with something that could have happened in the very early universe um, and that uh, may also depend on what the dark matter was mm -hmm. so if we find out what dark matter is then that will certainly tell us a lot about what potentially could have happened in the early universe and some things um, may be ruled out if we know what dark matter is because some mechanisms for example to produce the matter and antimatter abundance would uh, no longer make sense uh, maybe it would give us other hints that would point like oh we know this is what dark matter is maybe that will tell us how these other uh, unexplained um, open questions uh, com come about. So um, it's difficult to say in general without us knowing what dark matter is, but, but if, we, if we did, then th that would tell us so much. Right. Do you think there's any like un, um, undiscovered like 
test or experiment or something in either particle physics or astrophysics that you think would help us like substantially or at all? Um, yeah, so a, a big uh, a big question right now in the in the particle community is uh, what is the next big collider we want to build? Uh, do we want to build one at all? If we want to build one, do we want to um, build um, another proton collider where we shoot uh, protons uh, at very, um, where we accelerate protons, or do we want to accelerate uh, electrons, or even do we take want to take something that are called muons? Muons you can think of, they're basically like electrons, but 200 times heavier. Oh. <laughs> so do we want to take these guys and accelerate them together? Um, so this is a very ongoing uh, discussion right now, and the, the main incentive in uh, acceler accelerator-based experiments is that you want to achieve a very high energy for these particles colliding. And if you can go beyond what a current uh, experiment does, then you reach a completely uh, different regime that you can probe of nature. You're basically um, probing um, lengths, uh, length scales and energy scales that have not been observed before. Uh, so one direction that's of course very interesting is to go to higher energies yeah. right mm -hmm. right now at the lhc which is the current uh, most high energy experiment that we have we uh probe up to energies about uh, a couple uh t uh tev and uh, that is already really really yeah. high uh but uh with a next generation experiment we can push that by one to two orders of magnitude and that could then tell us about processes that happen there so one example is let's say dark matter is very heavy mm -hmm. so let's say it's heavier than a tv then because it's so heavy it would mean we couldn't have made it at uh current experiments because we don't have enough energy to produce it but let's say dark matter is at um 10 tv or, or 20 tv if we had this higher experiment we would produce it in copious abundances mm -hmm. and then we would say oh we made it and when you make it in the lab and then measure it you you can measure all yeah. about its properties so mm -hmm. that would be so exciting yeah. so so one thing that's very exciting is to to go to the uh, higher energies yeah, yeah. that's awesome very exciting stuff. Um, thank you so much, Kim. We are just wrapping up radio physics, so thank you, Kim Berghaus, theoretical particle physicist who researches dark matter and dark energy. Um, she is a postdoc at the Yang Institute for, the Theoreti for Theoretical Physics at Stony Brook University. Um, thank you again so much to Story Tram, who is a rising senior at Glenwood Springs High School, and Ian Olmsted, rising junior at Grand Valley High School. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Radio Physics. For more information about our internship program and events at the Aspen Center for Physics, please visit our website at aspenphys.org or follow us on social at, at Aspen Physics. Thank you so much. <laughs>